This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. We're talking about the hope zone, you know? And if you think about it, without Christ, there is despair. Without Christ, there's despair, which means, despair means no hope. Without Christ, there's despair, which means no hope, a fearful dreading of the future. See, hope is a confident expectation for the future. But when you become a person who's locked up in despair, there's, there's just no hope. It's just hollow. It's just empty, you know. And that's not where we want to go, you know. All too often, hope is pessimistically defined as this little boy did. And he said, which I think was really a great definition, he said, hope is wishing for something you know ain't going to happen. That ain't hope. That's despair. So he understood, but he misunderstood. That's not biblical hope. When, and this is that pessimistic mentality when he says hope is wishing for something you know ain't going to happen. You're, you're filled with doubt and fear and worry. You never end up over in the middle there, you know, in that aspect. But God has given us hope, a real genuine hope. And he invites us and we make that choice. And hope is a confident expectation for the future. And I don't care how many times we talk about it, it's not enough. Because the enemy of our soul will try to leave us with despair. He'll try to leave us discouraged and fearful and worried and anxious about all kinds of things. That's what the enemy of our soul tries to do. So anyhow, he says here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 through 13. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You're living apart from Christ. You're not connected to him, not in relationship with him at all. You were excluded from God's people, Israel, and you did not know the promises God had made to them. You know what? That's a sad thing when you don't know the promises that God has made to his people. Because he's made a lot of promises that would change your entire situation, no matter what it is. It always changes for the better. When you know the promises of Almighty God, they're available to us all. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Because see, when you're without God, you're, you may be all around the edges of it, but when you're without God, you're without hope. And hope is what? Confident expectation. And, and we've talked about this. This will be the third week. Where it tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the substance of things, what? Hoped for. Hoped for. And, and hope is a confident expectation for the future. So faith is a confident expectation for the future. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And if, if you have no hope, a confident expectation for your future, if you have no hope, you have no faith. Because they just overlap each other. Faith is a substance of things that you're hoping for. This confident expectation. You know, for your future. And 
for those future of those who are in your sphere of influence. But uh, it's, it's a choice that we will always make. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you belong to Christ Jesus. That makes a difference in anybody, in everybody's life, when you are in relationship with the almighty God. You know, and it's available to us all. And God loves us. And God's not mad at us. But now you belong to Christ Jesus. You belong. You genuinely belong. And that brings you smack dab in the middle of hope when you belong to Jesus. You, he has deposited within us this confident expectation for the future. No matter what the news says, no matter what your neighbor says, no matter what anybody says, when you're in relationship with Jesus, you have a confident expectation for the future. The best is yet to come. And that, that future goes way beyond even just our lifetime here. It's awesome. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. And that, it really that changes is. everything. Changes but, everything. But now you belong to Christ Jesus. That's, that's amazing. Changes I belong everything. to him. I'm all in. I'm all in with Jesus. You know, I'm all in. Though once you were far away from God, now you have been brought near to him because of the blood of Christ. And you know, Jesus shed his blood. He was beaten terribly, and then he was nailed to a cross. You know, and <clears throat> spikes were put in his hands and his feet, crown of thorns beat upon his head. Then there was a spear pushed through his side. He shed his blood only for one reason. He shed his blood not for any other reason than to pay for your sin, to wash our sins away. And where we have been in great despair, now we have a living hope, a living hope. That's a living hope. Not like that little boy who was talking about, you know, you're asking for something, you choose, no, God ain't going to do for you. No, but we have a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's this resurrection power that's available to us. In the tempest, it says here in the book of Acts chapter 27, looking with us to verse 13. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor. Now, you know, there's a scripture that talks about hope is the anchor of our soul. So they pulled up an anchor. Then can you imagine... Would you ever want to pull up an anchor that was holding you in the right place, keeping you safe and all? Would you want to pull up an anchor and then just go drifting wherever the, the wind and the tide was to carry you? No. Well, these guys, they pulled up this anchor. You know, they, they, they made a mistake. They really did. But it says, When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength called a nor'easter. We've heard of a nor'easter, haven't we? Yep. It's called a nor'easter. Burst across the island and blew us out to sea. Wow, can you imagine that? There you sailing close to the shore in this terrible storm. It got between you and the shore and blew you out to sea, where you can't see the shore anymore. Just kept on blowing you in the midst of all the waves and the wind. You know, very dangerous place to be in the kind of ships that they had. 
in Egypt, to be honest with you, the kind of storm they were dealing with. <coughs> I have a tickle in my throat. Can you read it a little bit? You don't want me to wait for you? Okay. I'm going to try to chug this down and see if it'll deal with it. Okay. That's okay. Hey, Rennie's coming up here. Thank you. Got a cough drop. That was nice of you, Rennie. Thank you so much. I'll have a Whopper or fries and a chocolate frosty. <laughs> but a chocolate frosty comes from Wendy's. two different places. The wind. <laughs> the wind. The you know. Okay. Verse 15 it says, the sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind. The wind was coming like from the shore. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and they let it run before the gale. They were traveling at the speed of the wind. Their sail was out there open. The wind was behind them, throwing them out to sea. In verse 16 it says, We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named... What's the name of that island? Calda. Calda? <laughs> we're just making it up. We don't really know. <laughs> if they don't know and we don't know, just choose whatever yeah, word you want. Yeah, the King James Person doesn't use that word. I so. know. Calda. Oh, well. Where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat that was being towed behind us. It was a big old lifeboat in case they get into a pickle. All the men could rescue their lives. If the ship went down, they could get in the lifeboat and try to Make it back to land. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. Do you understand what a sea anchor is? A sea anchor is a rope and then it's, it's tied to a huge bag. In those days, a canvas bag. It's got a great big opening on it, and you throw the sea anchor out. When the wind is blowing you, the sea anchor is filling up with water, and it slows you down. The wind will be pushing you at a rapid speed, but a sea anchor is just in the water, catching water like a big old umbrella, and it's just slowing you down. That's what a sea anchor is. Okay? The next day... As gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. Man, you're getting pretty desperate when you're throwing all the gear that you need to sail the boat with. When you're throwing that overboard, you know you're in a real dangerous place. You're trying to lighten the ship so it don't just crack up all the pieces, you know. The terrible storm raged for many days. Many? Can you imagine being in a storm that bad? Not just for a day, but for many days. Blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Can you imagine? Have you ever been in a situation? Storms, maybe not of wind and rain, but maybe other kind of storms in your life. And you were in a particular situation where all hope was gone. Hope is a confident expectation for the future. But have you ever been in a place where you have no confident expectation for the future? You're really pretty convinced that, you know, lots of bad stuff that's going to happen to you. The worst is yet to come. But God does give us a living hope, a genuine confident expectation 
for our future. He gives us that. These guys right here, though, had lost all their hope. They had, you know, but they were obeying God's word as best as they could. Who God had spoke to them and sent an angel to talk to these men and tell them what to do. And because these men obeyed God and God sent an angel to talk to them. And, and not one of them got a scratch on them through the whole storm, through the wreck of the ship and all that took place there. Not one of them got a scratch on them. You know, anxiety is the natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God and his will for us. So said Billy Graham. Billy Graham said anxiety is a natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God and his will for us. So if, if we have a confident expectation because, well, I got this new thing, this new and improved thing, or this thing, or I got this, it was half price, you know, and this is supposed to really help me. But see, hope, true hope, is from the almighty God. Faith. And we're talking about faith in God, in his word, in his will. Faith is a what? Substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And hope is the confident, confident expectation, expectation for the future. And God wants us to have faith in him. He wants us to have a confident expectation in the future for our lives and in the future of those who are in our sphere of influence. And the best truly is yet to come. It really genuinely is yet to come. It really is when you know him and you trust him as your savior. And when you say a situation or a purpose is hopeless, now you don't have to answer this out loud, but think about it. When you say, well, this is just hopeless. Well, basically that's slamming the door in the face of Almighty God. When you say, well, it's hopeless. Because faith in him brings us a confident expectation for our future and for the future of our loved ones and those who are in our sphere of influence. And to say, well, I'm in a hopeless situation. It's like slamming the door in the face of the almighty God. He don't believe in hopelessness. He really doesn't. He's got better plans for you and for me. You know, that is despair that we're talking about. Uh, when you become hopeless, that is despair. Let me see here a second. <clears throat> and despair means to give up all hope, all expectation. That's hopelessness. Despair and hopelessness. And God don't want you there. And you don't have to live in hopelessness. Oh, there's lots of things that happen in our life. But God never intended you and me to be hopeless because we have a choice. We have a choice. We have a choice it's just to move smack dab into the middle of hope. A confident expectation for the future when you're in relationship with Jesus Christ. He welcomes you to be in a confident expectation. No matter what's going on, he wants you to be in a confident expectation for your future and for the future of those who are in your sphere of influence. Let me see here. Where was we at now? In Acts, verse 21. No okay. one had eaten for a long time. They've been fighting this terrible storm, you know. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, 
You should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. Because he told them, don't leave Crete. You know, it's not safe to leave Crete. But they left. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. An angel of Almighty God stood beside him on that ship in a terrible storm. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. Because he was going to stand trial before Caesar to tell Caesar about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can be well assured that the devil was trying to stop him from going and doing that. But in the midst of this horrible storm, nobody's heating, they're throwing all the, the gear out of the ship. An angel comes and says, hey, everything's going to be okay. All these guys traveling with you, they're going to be okay. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God, and it will be just as he said. I believe God, and it will be just as he said. Faith comes by hearing God's word. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing God's word, and, and faith is the substance of things hoped for. A, and, and hope is a confident expectation for the future. Now, when you pray about something, do you have a confident expectation that God's yes. answer your prayers? Yes. If, if you don't, you're not praying the most effective way. You can pray much more effectively where your prayers genuinely are answered. You really genuinely can. And faith comes by hearing God's word. And faith is the substance of things that we have hope for. And we have this living hope, this confident expectation for the future. You know. Anyhow, let's go ahead. <clears throat> he says here in verse... So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. So he didn't say you're not going to have a shipwreck. He said all the people traveling with you, they're going to be safe. Just don't let them try to escape from the boat and do their own little thing. You keep them there with you, they're all going to be safe. That's what he said. But the ship is going to, you know, have an accident. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says... But this precious treasure, this light and power that now shine within us. Did, did you know if you have welcomed Christ into your life, do you know that you have a precious treasure inside of you? Yes. Three people. Four, four people. Look around and see if you can see any shining going on out there. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot more shine than they was willing to respond to. But it says here. But this precious treasure. Precious treasure. This light and power that now shine within us. Is held in perishable containers. You know, what is a perishable container? Yeah, well. A cannon jar is perishable, isn't it? It can can break. You can drop it and break whatever's in the jar there. But he's talking about this treasure is in a perishable container, which he's referring to as us. We are this perishable container, you know? That is in our weak bodies. 
So everyone can see that the glorious power is from God. Mm, and, 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 and that's our that's our hope. That's where hope comes from. From the almighty God. And, and hope is given to this perishable <coughs> container. A confident expectation for our future. You know. And, and, and he says there's this wonderful light and this power. You know, that it's in these perishable containers. Did, did you know that we're going to have a new body one day? So no matter what's been going on, we're going to have a brand spanking new one. Better than anything, uh, a new model. Better than anything you've ever imagined. And God has planned that for us. And we are pilgrims, the Bible says, and we're just passing through. We're looking for that city whose builder and maker is God himself. And, and God can be trusted. And he wants us to be hopeful. And I think that's a good way to to say that word, to have a little delay in the middle of it so you understand what you're talking about. To be hopeful. You know, because you say, well, hopeful. Well, what's hopeful? That means to be hopeful. I'm I'm full of hope. That's what he says. A a confident expectation for uh, the future. So everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and and is not our own. Hmm. We are pressed on every side. Have you ever had pressure from every side in your lifetime? Have you ever had financial pressure, relational pressure, health pressure, every which way you learned, you got pressure with the neighbors or whatever? Have you ever had all kinds of pressure coming at you at the same time? Yep. Well, that's what the apostle's talking about here in verse 8. He says, we are pressed on every side. By every side. Now, what percentage of sides is that referring to? 100%. North, south, east, and west, and northeast, and southeast, and southwest. I mean, all the possible angles, this pressure is coming against us. We're pressed on every side by troubles. And he's talking about us people. Well, I thought you were talking about being hopeful. Well, he said this pressure is coming, you know, against us. It's reality. It really is. But we are not crushed and broken. Although we're an earthen vessel that seems to easily be broken, he says this pressure is coming from every which way. All this trouble is coming, but we are not crushed and broken because we have hope. The pressure is coming, just like the guys in the ship out at sea. The storms are raging and ripping and and all this stuff going on. But they had a confident expectation. And and God told them, you guys are going to be okay. It's a terrible storm. You've probably never been in a storm, I guess. But you guys are going to be okay. That's what he told them. And and that's what we're looking at right here. When he says in verse 8, the apostle says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. You know, we have hope is what he's saying there. We are perplexed, but you, we don't give up and quit. You, you know what perplexed means? Yeah. yeah. Puzzled. I don't know what in the world is going on here. You know, I'm, I'm perplexed, you know. That, that's what he's talking about. We are perplexed. We don't know quite really what to do. But we don't give up and quit. Why? Because we have hope. Because we have a confident expectation for the future. Although we're perplexed and we don't know what in the world is going on. 
Should you listen to the news? Should you not listen to the news? Does people out there know what they're doing or do they not know what they're doing? You know, I mean, we're just, there's a lot of perplexity around about us, but faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is a confident expectation for the future. You know, God, I love you, man, and I yield myself to you, and I'm all in, and I know that you work all things together for good for those who love you and are called to your purpose and I'm all in and I love you and I know I know I, I have this hope I'm, I'm hopeful uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for I have this confident expectation for the future and, and you know where the future is at the next minute <laughs> smack dab in front of us it's about a second ahead of us, it might be a minute or an hour or a day or a week or a month or a year, but expectations, and you're talking about future, that's something that's yet to come. Because when you're talking about history, that's not hope. That's history, you know? That's, that's remembering the blessings of Almighty God, what he's done, but we're talking about future. Anyhow, listen to what he says here. And let's, let's uh, move on. Let me see. Where was we, I at? We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. Nope. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. Because he gives us hope. God never abandons us, no matter who's after us, no matter what's going on in our world. He said God never abandons us. We, we got hope, a living hope. We got a confident expectation for the future. No matter what's going on around about us, the best is yet to come. And God made sure of that for us all. We get knocked down. But, you know, because we have hope, we get up. What's it say there? But we get up again and keep going. You know, it might not be no fun getting knocked down, but... Just get up and go, okay, all right, this is all right. I have a confident expectation for the future. It's kind of like our dog, ain't it? Mm-hmm. Tracker who's got old dog syndrome, and I told you all what is a cure for an old dog syndrome is a young dog. And we have a young dog, and her name is Honey. And Honey runs around in the pen, and the pen is about as long from here to that window over there and she runs around there and she picks her feet up and she pushes Tracker down. Don't she do that? Yeah. And he gets up, shakes his little head. He knows I'm the wise dog in the pen. She ain't even a year old yet. It's just like, you know, he, he, don't, he don't ever complain, does he? No. He just gets up and he's trying to teach her some wisdom. He now, gets up and keeps going just like that. that that's, that's what it says here. We get knocked down. But because of this hope, we get up again and we keep on going. Don't ever throw the towel in. We have a confident expectation for the future. No matter what somebody says, the negative and tries to get you full of despair and full of fear and worry and anxiety, don't accept it. You stay in the hope zone. I have a confident expectation for the future. And all of those in our sphere of influence, we're going to all be together one day, together. That's just the truth of it, because what Christ has done in our hearts and in our lives, that's just the truth of it. We have a confident expectation 
for the future. Even if you get knocked down physically or in your faith or financially or in relation, if you get knocked down, well, we get up again. Keep going. Keep on going. Through suffering, these bodies of ours constantly share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus. And Jesus is the one who gives us hope, that resurrection hope. So that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Hmm. Now, picking up in verse 16, in the New Living Translation, it says. That is why we never give up. We what? We never give up. Because Jesus, the life of Jesus, also is seen in our bodies. That's, that's the light. You know, and, and this, this precious treasure that is within us is this light and this living hope, you know. That is why we never give up. Is, is your microphone on? Yeah, it seemed like it cut out. We both have brand new microphones. But I think mine might be better. <laughs> My mic's better than your mic. But uh, is she on now? Hello, hello? Yeah. Okay. Right. Thank you. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Every day. Our spirit is being renewed. We have a confident expectation for tomorrow. Why in the world should we expect the worst to come tomorrow? Uh, no matter what they, whoever they are, say, we can have a confident expectation for the future. That's what God wants us to have. He tells us faith comes by hearing his word. And he says faith is the substance of things hoped for. And hope is what? The confident, confident expectation for the future. This is what God has prepared for us. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Now, can you identify with that? Can you say, well, I've, I've had some troubles. Now, could you say that your troubles were actually small? Let me ask you a question. Could they have been larger? Yes. yes. Then you say, my present troubles are small. Because they could have been far worse. Well, I'm, I'm $10 in debt. Would it be better to say you're $10,000 in debt? No. Or $10 million in debt? No. He yet, says that here. Yet they produce for us, these troubles produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. This glory will last forever. The manifest presence of God will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we see now. But isn't that the tendency if you hear some bad news on the radio or the television or the, the newspaper or something, and you just stare at the bad news. But what does he say? So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Well, we don't look at it. Well, we're not focusing on the troubles. We have a confident expectation for the future. The troubles we've had have been small potatoes, you know, in comparison. And, and the best is yet to come. The best is ahead of us. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Is it possibly, is it, is it possible to fix your eyes on something you can't see? Mm -hmm. yeah. How many of you believe in God? Mm -hmm. Can you see him? No. Nope. You believe he's there? 
He says, for the things, uh, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. The problems we're having now will soon be gone because we have a confident expectation for the future. We have a confident expectation having an awesome, fantastic relationship with God. He's with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And the best is yet to come because he's got plans for every one of us. And it's awesome. And it is out of this world Genuinely, yes. Although we all pass at different times from this old world into the next, but that's part of his plan for us. But he's got a purpose for us right here, and it's very, 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 very important that we are looking to the future. We have expectations, confident, you know, expectations and, and all. That's very, very important that you have a confident expectation because if you don't have a confident expectation, you become hopeless and you become a man or woman with despair if you don't have confidence, confident expectation, things are going to get better and I'm not talking about just saying something that ain't true I'm talking about finding what God has promised us in his word he told Paul he said listen all those guys who are with you in the ship you, you, you tell them that I'm going to keep them safe. Oh, the ship is going to sink. It's going to go down, but they can all be safe. Okay? I would say a shipwreck is trouble, wouldn't you? But I think it's awesome when you can make it to shore. And some of them couldn't even swim. So he said, hey, just grab a piece of board or something that's floating, you know, and, and go to the shore with it. <clears throat> and they were the ones who were hopeless in the beginning, weren't, weren't they? Yep. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Hope finds its expression when you're enduring a trial. That's when you have this confident expectation. When you're enduring some trouble or a trial of some kind, then you have hope. Hope is an expectation for the future. Confident expectation For the future, there's a difficulty. There's difficulties going on in our world right now, aren't they? Do you have a confident expectation for your future, for your household, for those who are in your sphere of influence? Well, I'll tell you what. Discover the map. Find out what God has to say and how we should respond. You know, when hope is real and alive, circumstances cannot bring you to despair when hope is alive circumstances cannot bring you to despair because we know that all things all what percentage is that 100% all things this is in Romans 8:28 we know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose so you say pastor Ron you've been talking about that this is the third week nope if you'd have been around This coming October, we're going to be launching into our 43rd year of being right here. And I've been quoting that scripture for 43 years. So don't be too dismayed about me talking about for three days. Okay. Anyhow, so there are no hopeless situations 
And you go, oh, wah, 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 wah. You know, you might want to kind of correct me on there. But there are no hopeless <clears throat> situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. The devil keeps throwing negative thoughts, negative thoughts, negative thoughts, negative thoughts, negative thoughts, and negative thoughts. And then you choose to go over here and just think about the negative thoughts and gloom and despair and agony on me. Whoa! That's a choice that we make, or we can make a choice of standing in the Word of God. You read it, you sing to God, you study His Word together with other believers, and you come over here to this place called the Hope Zone. And you have a confident expectation for you and your family and your, your loved ones. And, and for all that relates to you, you have a confident expectation. No matter how bad it seems, God turns that thing around and he works it together for good in our life. That's what he tells us. And I, I pretty much agree with him 100%. You know, hopeful. A man approached a little league baseball game one afternoon and he asked a boy in the dugout what the score was. And the boy responded, 18 to nothing. And we're behind. Boy, said the spectator, I'll bet you're discouraged. Why should I be discouraged? Replied the little boy. We haven't even gotten up to bat yet. That boy, he was living in the hope zone. He was sure he was going to knock a home run, and all of his team were going to knock one also. He had a confident expectation for the future, and people could look and say, oh, that's not realistic. Well, you live in the negative, fearful, uh, you know. Despair zone. Despair zone. That's a good way to say it. Yes, it is. But you know what? The men and the women who will read that book, and you'll read the promises of Almighty God, and you know you can live in the hope zone with a confident expectation of the future. And you should. If you're a baseball player, you should expect the next ball that comes by you, you're going to knock a home run with it. You know, or you're going to outrun it and you're going to slide into home and you're going to get some points for your team. I've got to ask him a question. Any of you guys ever go fishing? Do you expect to catch fish every time you go? Sure. And when you go, well, come on, Pastor Ron, be realistic. I'll be realistic. I expect to catch a bunch of fish every time I go. Is anything wrong with that? Nope. I don't think God wants us to expect to fail. Although there's some people who do that, you know. This little boy, I really like the idea though, but this little boy had hope. And you know what? God's word so often gives us a, a note of hope. Just about on every page, there's a note of hope. And I can use hope. What about you? It's like, I want to have a confident expectation for the future. And God says that's the right way to be. He wants us to be men and women of faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, which is a confident expectation for the future. That's what the scripture says. That's what he wants us to do and he wants us to be. You want to share this? Psychologist Julius Siegel wrote about, in his book, Winning Life's Toughest Battles, 
based on a study of 25,000 American soldiers. How many? 25,000. American soldiers. That were held by the Japanese in POW camps during World War II. Siegel wrote, Forced to exist under inhumane conditions, many of them died. Others, however, survived and eventually returned home. There was no reason to believe there was a difference in the stamina of these two groups of soldiers. The survivors, however, were different in one major aspect. They confidently expected to be released one day. They confidently expected something about their future. They, the, the guys who survived it, they confidently expected to be released one day. A confident expectation for their future. 25,000 people were experiencing the same you know, catastrophe, if you would. But those who survived it, they, had a conf- they confidently expected to be released one day. As described by... And, and which means what? They had hope. They had hope. As described by Robin's readers in the book Holding On to Hope, they talked about the kinds of homes that they would have. Here they are, prisoners. They have no free will of their own as far as what they're being told. And here they are talking about the kind of homes that they're going to build one day. And they're a POW. They have a confident expectation for their future. The jobs they would choose and even describe the kind of person they would marry. They drew pictures on the walls to illustrate their dreams. Do, do you have a dream? Yes. You, you do? Anybody else have a dream? Yes. I'm going to tell you something. A dream is biblical. God wants to give you a dream. He wants you to have a confident expectation you know, a confident expectation for your future. Like all them guys who were prisoners of war, they were dreaming and imagining. That they, they were concocting what their home was going to look like and, and, and what the person who they're married was going to be like. They, they had dreams, and they talked about them and discussed them. They had a confident expectation for their future. That's biblical. Genuinely is. They drew pictures on the walls to illustrate their dreams. Some even found ways to study subjects related to the kind of careers they wanted to pursue. Siegel goes on to point out that researchers have found that a hopeful attitude can lead to physiological changes that improve the immune system, the body's defense against toxins and disease. A so hopeful, it's not only good for our minds, it's good for our physical bodies as well. A hopeful attitude. That's what you find in the hope zone. You've got a hopeful attitude. And it does you a world of wonders, body, soul, and spirit. Genuinely does. So we need to be hopeful. You have a choice. Now, I, I can be hopeful or I can become hopeless. It's a choice that you'll make, and you'll make it based upon circumstances. But that is never a wise thing to let make your decisions for you. Because no matter what the circumstances, we was reading about the, I'm pressed on every side, you know, but I'm not crushed because I have a confident expectation for the future. 
I'm hunted down, but I'm not abandoned because I got a confident expectation for the future. On and on and on and on and on. We see this in God's word. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. While we look forward. And we look which way? Forward. That is hope. While we look forward, a confident expectation to the future, to the forward view, a confident expectation about what's forward. That's what he's talking about. So while we look forward to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. Such a living hope. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. Jesus gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. And because our sins have been forgiven and washed away, we're going to spend eternity with each other. Do you know that? The Bible tells us. To cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Now, here's an interesting article I came across. A man walking through the twisted little streets of Kowloon in Hong Kong, he came up on a tattoo studio. Now, I don't have a tattoo yet, but I've been thinking about getting one. Romans 8.28 <laughs> And we know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I've been thinking about it. My son who's a Marine, he said, Dad, let me know when you get one. I'm going to get one too. You know. Anyhow, I don't know what my wife thinks about that, but I've been thinking about it. I'm not going to get one. You know, well, I'm, I wasn't talking about you getting one. <laughs> I was talking about if you would approve if I got one. Yes. <laughs> I'm put on the spot. You're on the here. other side. Susan, yeah. <laughs> she, she wouldn't trust about that. And I know a lot of people say, well, the Bible says don't get one. You're mistaken. I'm just being honest with you. You're mistaken if you think that way. So anyhow, here we're, we're talking about, where was I at here? Oh, this, this guy came upon a tattoo studio, and in the window were displayed samples of the tattoos that were available. And you get them on your chest or on your arm. And you could have tattoo an anchor or a flag or a mermaid or whatever you wanted. But what struck him with force was these three words that could be tattooed, tattooed on one's flesh. Born to lose. Yeah, that's what I, ouch. Who said ouch? Ouch. I, I agree. Why would you even let people stick needles in your body to remind you, I've been born to lose? You know? Anyhow, this guy, he entered the shop of this, you know, uh, tattoo studio in astonishment, and he pointed to those words, and he asked the Chinese tattoo artist, does anyone really have that terrible phrase, born to lose, tattooed, on his body? And he replied, yes, sometimes. I just can't believe that anyone in his right mind would do that. And the Chinese man replied, and he tapped his forehead, and he said in broken English, before tattoo on the body, tattoo on the mind. You know? That guy was not in the right 
state of mind. He was thinking the worst is yet to come. I'm, 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 I'm born to lose. Everything I do is going to fall apart and I'm just going to lose. I'm just a loser. And he never, ever steps foot over into the zone of hope. That's what he's believing. I'm a loser. 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 Hmm. And that's a stronghold. It's got a stronghold on you. I'm a loser. Well, how is it that you can stake down a 10-ton elephant? And you don't, you don't have to use this one. But you see that stake there? You can stake down a 10-ton elephant... And you can tie a rope around the stake. And then you can tie the rope around his leg. But it didn't start there. It started there when the elephant was 300 pounds. And they put the same stake in the ground. And they put the same rope around the stake and around the elephant's leg. I was going to hammer that into the stage. <laughs> but I don't think I should. What do yeah, you think? I don't think so either. Yeah, I, that I think was I, a wise choice not to. Now, yeah, I have a confident expectation. The stage is going to serve us for many years to come. Okay. It's easy, the trainer said. You know? He said, how is it that you can stake down a 10-ton elephant with the same size stake that you use for a 300-pound baby elephant? It's easy, the trainer said. When they are babies, we stake them down, and they try to tug away from the stake maybe 10,000 times before they realize that they can't possibly get away. And at that point, their elephant memory takes over. And elephants have a real good memory. Their elephant memory takes over and they remember for the rest of their lives that they can't get away from the stake. Humans are sometimes like elephants. When we are teenagers, some unthinking, insensitive, unwise person says, he's not very good at planning. He's not very good at planning, or she's not a leader, or their team will never make it, or you'll never amount to anything. You're a born loser. And we drive a mental stake into our minds. I'm a loser. I'm a born loser. I'll never amount to anything. I'm not the kind of person that'd ever be a leader. I'm going to fail at whatever I try to do. And we drive a mental stake into our minds. And often, when we become mature adults, we're still held back by some inaccurate one-sentence stake that's been put in our minds when we were young. And, and it's a little stake and a little rope that could easily be broken by a 10,000-pound elephant. But it don't know. It don't have any confident expectation 
Because it was taught when it was young that I can't get free of that thing. And there's adults who feel the same way, you know. That stake is put in our minds when we're young. Have you ever been told that your future is hopeless? Well, I'm going to tell you, that's a lie from the pits of hell. It really genuinely is. Romans 4, verse 18 says, Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. He kept on hoping when he didn't have any circumstances or reason to have hope, a confident expectation for the future. He kept on hoping. Believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, Why, why did he keep hoping? Why did he keep on having an expectation for his future confidently? For God had said. For God had said to him. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Abraham had a confident expectation for the future, although he had no children of his own at that particular time. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. They had no children. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. He had a confident expectation that God can do whatever he has promised. And we got to be careful about you know, the things we read and hear others tell us that, that we'll never amount to nothing or we're going to be a failure or we'll never get free of an addiction or whatever it might. We, we, we got to make sure that we don't allow such a stronghold in our mind because it'll do us like it did to the baby elephant. It, when that elephant was no longer 300 pounds, but how many? 10 tons. Yeah, so many, I don't know. 10, how many? Ten tons, yep. Ten-ton elephant was being held by the same stake and rope because it got in his mind and it changed his thinking, and his thinking became pretty stinking thinking. You know what? We don't really have time to get to the best part. Man, so we're just going to have to wait. What do you think? Oh, man, I want to get to the, I want to get to the other stuff. What do you think? Your microphone's off again. Is it? Is it okay? Okay. What do you think? I'm not going to decide. I'm going to let you decide. That way, if something goes wrong, I can blame it on her. (laughs) I'm just teasing you guys. But think about this. Abraham lived in the hope zone when all circumstances, well, you're 100 years old and God's promise hasn't come to pass about having all these children yet. And Sarah's about 90 in her mid-90s. And he said he never wavered. He believed everything that God told him. Boom. And did God work a miracle in Abraham and Sarah's life? He did. Sure did. And God's working miracles in your life. But he wants you to live in the hope zone. And we'll talk about some other stuff that I think will be a great encouragement and that relevant to you. It will change your entire life. But we're going to do that a little bit later when we have the time to talk about it. Okay? Okay. What I'd like to do right now, we'll, we'll just cover that later. 
is just, let's just pray and let's reaffirm our faith in Christ. Declare what the truth of it is. And if you've never welcomed Christ into your life, I challenge you to declare your faith tonight. And if you have before, then you're just going to reaffirm it. But I'd like you to join me. And let's pray out loud. All you guys who are watching online and all you guys who are in the service here tonight, would you join me? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe your word. I believe your word. I believe your promises. I believe your promises. And thank you so much. Thank you so much. For loving me the way that you do. For loving me the way that you do. And turning things around and working them together for good. And turning things around and working them together for good. We trust you, almighty God. We trust you, almighty God. We believe that Jesus gave his life. We believe that Jesus gave his life. To wash our sins away. To wash our sins away. So we could enter into your presence. So we could enter into your presence. In heaven one day. In heaven one day. We thank you. We thank you. That Jesus rose from the dead. That Jesus rose from the dead. After paying for our sins. After paying for our sins. And he's knocking at the door of our hearts. And he's knocking at the door of our hearts. And we open wide those doors. And we open wide those doors. And we accept Jesus. And we accept Jesus. Into every area of our life. Into every area of our lives. And we expect Jesus. And we expect Jesus. To do everything he's ever promised. To do everything he's ever promised. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, mighty God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.